Ugh, you guys. It's been too long. I forgot how to podcast. I think it's literally been like three months since we recorded. Ooh, it has been a while. Well, if there's still fans out there, we're here. We're slow. <laughs> you, you know, surprisingly, people keep listening. Oh, well. It's thank weird. you <laughs> for yeah, that, thanks, guys. folks. We appreciate you, every single one of you. And speaking of our wonderful listeners who we appreciate, we do have our winners from our giveaway from a while ago to announce. Uh, they've already been <laughs> contacted. Uh, they were contacted a while ago. And if you Did follow us on Twitter, their shit? you, uh, yeah, they got sent their, their shiz. Donations were made to the applicable stuff. And we'll, we'll, let's dive into that real quick. We did have two people who uh, did all the stuff, but then when I reached out to them, they didn't respond in the time. Mm. So we had to redraw. And then we also just had people who I straight up disqualified <laughs> for putting bunk info. So I apologize if you uh, tried to game the system for the extra entries <laughs> and uh, in the tell us, a, tell us a story section, just put like, the letter a that's not a story and i disqualified you <laughs> so uh <laughs> but um, <laughs> congratulations to our first prize winner wonderful individual by the name of cameron j from michigan and uh they chose to have their donation go to primary children's hospital which Sweet. is good, awesome. good cause good cause thank you cameron uh and uh, also they won uh on top of the the shirt and the donation they also got a 25 dollars gift card to amazon that was like our grand prize nice good thing. old cameron j you're uh, welcome cameron <laughs> <laughs> and then we had two more folks we have joe c from texas and we have Jacob R. from, I want some guesses. Where do you think this guy's from? Alabama. <laughs> New South Wales, Australia. Woo! Yeah, man. What was shipping cost on that? <laughs> uh, more than the price. Worth, yes. <laughs> so, so really, what, what was our Australian friend's name? Jacob R. And he's from New South Wales. So Jacob R. won the grand prize. <laughs> yeah. of kind of. Across um, the planet postage. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe from Texas, he chose to um, donate to Prevent Child Abuse America, which oh, awesome. also a great choice. And then Jacob, he went with the default like... Uh, Cameron and donated to Primary Children's. Awesome. Nice. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you for supporting us. Thanks for uh, all the people who entered. We're going to be doing more giveaways in the future, but they're probably going to be handled strictly through the podcast. We probably won't announce anything but the winners on social media going forward with those. Yeah. Got too many porn bots entered. Yeah, we did. <laughs> you know, though, if we like... We had a few of those. <laughs> if we could get, like, a porn star to wear our shirt while they're having sex in a porn video, I'd gladly subscribe, like... Just, just go on... some free-ass advertising. Go on to a cam site where they... <laughs> Find, find someone who does like the writing shit on their body and just have them write 3dpodcast.com. Yeah, it would be it'll be like equivalent to when Pornhub donated. Oh, man, what was it? I think it was on Earth Day. I wonder if we could get like someone on OnlyFans to do sponsored content. <laughs> man, that'd be D- Dress up like the fucking chupacabra. <laughs> do, do a sexy chupacabra shoot brought to you by the 3D podcast. I was going to say, I was thinking of like some foot like pics, but like on your foot, like have 3D podcast written on your toes, nails or something. <laughs> Damn. Your uh, nail polish. <laughs> that's not nearly exciting enough, Haley. Y'all got to stop talking pig. about feet pics. I'm getting sweaty. <laughs> You're <laughs> oh god um, <laughs> Haley, does two fingers not scroll on this thing oh it's opposite day don't ever ask <laughs> Haley what two fingers do ever again <laughs> yeah oh well but to go back to what you were talking about were you talking about when Pornhub did like the beach cleanup yeah yeah that was lovely <laughs> yeah 
Uh, have you guys got anything else? Have you done anything exciting? How sad do you want me to get? Let's get... Oh, oh no. no. Is it going where I think it's going? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if I want a bummer. Okay. I well. mean, you can go for it if you want to, but mm. that... It was sweet. We had to say goodbye to my sweet puppy over the week. Yeah. And it was really bad, but also he was in so much pain and he was getting so old that it was... I'm it tearing up over here. I'm sorry. I'm tearing up over here. It was here. really sad. I cried really hard. <laughs> I, I bet. That's that's not fun. No, it sucked. But that's uh, the our exciting thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only big thing that's happened lately. <laughs> that's one of those things where like when I die, y'all better have a party. And if there's a single tear in the room that's not a happy tear, I'm going to haunt you. Yeah, you Gotta say that. Gotta remember the good. Yeah. Well, and you know, I kept it together at the veterinary's office. Cody and my dad cried harder than I did. <laughs> and then I, it was like middle of the night and I rolled over and started bawling about missing my dog. <laughs> And Cody started crying again, so I had to stop. Uh, Cody's a very sensitive soul. Cody's an empath. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Oh, no, either. I think it means you're, like, empathetic to other people's... Sympathetic? I'm a simp? (laughs) We knew that, honey. (laughs) Just kidding. We did know that. Yeah, so what's going on in your week, Brandon? Uh, Not much. Pretty sure I didn't get into my my program for school, which sucks because I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to wait a whole year to reapply. It's bad news Which means I'm probably not going to be reapplying and I'll either <laughs> you know what they say if you don't spiral. get in just quit if at first you don't succeed never try again i think that's how it goes <laughs> well i'm either just, i'm either going to continue the downward spiral or i'm gonna do something great and i can't figure out which one it's i vote be. do something great we'll see we'll see <laughs> my money's on great yeah well well, my money's we? on spiral, but my hopes are on great. Just kidding. I love you. I believe in you. Sorry. See, my money's on Man. spiral. <laughs> even when he says, I'm kidding, I love you, like, didn't even, you didn't even sell it, man. I, I say it into the microphone, but really, you. I'm just like lifting up my middle finger at you, like, fuck you're, you. You're taking out a, a life insurance policy in my name. Yeah. Oh, I already did that. <laughs> That's been done for a while. Either way, you win. Yeah. You're not going to. I gotta diversify. Dave Ramsey taught me that. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Oh, now my tablet turns on. All right. Um, So, who are we? We are are the Three V Podcast, and we are located in Nunya Business. (laughs) uh, (laughs) That was pretty good. We uh, we are located in uh, more specifically on your mom's uh, bedside table. (laughs) Probably (laughs) actually, I think that's our demographic. Yeah, it's normally our mom. Um, but uh, today we are going to be discussing the first V in our three V's, which if you're just tuning in, the three V's in the three V podcast stand for visitors, visions, and villains with visitors representing like aliens and conspiracy theories, that sort of stuff. Visions. Visions representing like <laughs> ghosts and the supernatural and then villains representing like historical villains and true crime and all that sort of stuff. And obviously there's going to be a bunch of overlap in that stuff because, you know, nothing is that cut and dry. But that's kind of the idea. Yeah. And today we're going to be discussing a visitor. Yay! But not the type of visitor we usually visit. Not an alien? Not aliens today. We're is going it... to we're going to conspiracy town. Whoa. Oh, hell yeah. What's our conspiracy? I guess I don't want to make you blurt it out, but 
<laughs> Can we get some deets? <laughs> All right. There is so, no government conspiracy. I'm not going to give away what it is right okay. off the bat here. But what I will say is that for those of you who are semi-well-versed in United States or even world history, you'll probably pick up on where this is headed before we actually get there. But I want the actual conspiracy. And the weird thing about it is, is there's not really like a set conspiracy theory for this one. So this one, it's less of a conspiracy theory and more of just a conspiracy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but there definitely have been conspiracy theories about this incident over the years. It's just like, as far as I could tell, there was never like one like predominant theory and I could be wrong, but I just, in my searching, I saw a whole bunch of different shit. You know, there is what it is and there's history and all that stuff. But I would say it's more conspiracy than conspiracy theory, but you know, whatever semantics. I'm here for it either way. (sighs) All right. So, Right off the bat, one thing I want to say about conspiracy and conspiracy theories is that uh, they can be kind of dangerous. And we talked about this on the Ong Sad episode that Cody did. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. With conspiracy theories, it is very easy to lose your grip on reality and fall head first into that rabbit hole. Oh, shit. I'll have to tell you about. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you already. <laughs> no, you're good. Speaking of <laughs> rabbit holes and losing your, uh, like, your grounds, Cody said something Oh, he said, with the delicious taste of Bud Light, like a commercial. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Our, what is it? What was the show? Haley had like a minor mental break thinking we were living in a simulation for <laughs> real. And that I got ad revenue from Bud Light for saying <laughs> that in the shower. And she thought she was getting like Truman showed. Yeah, I thought I was getting Truman. <laughs> yeah, it bugged me for like a good hour. And I was just like, Cody doesn't actually love me. He's a paid actor to love me. That would be hilarious, but also horrifying. Yeah, so be careful out there, folks. (laughs) But uh, Like I was just saying, it's very easy to fall down that rabbit hole. And while you may enter that rabbit hole a fairly normal, if not below average member of society whose lovemaking skills have been described as unremarkable, uh, (laughs) when you emerge on the other side, you will still be all of those things only now you'll dress exclusively in your Aunt Clarice's old bathrobes and start randomly screaming about 5G that Bill Gates is injecting into our children via the gay agenda. So <laughs> like, so you're tuning to Ted Cruz. Ooh. I don't know if he does that. <laughs> now, uh, that, uh, that may have been a little oddly specific. I'm not going to confirm if that is me or Alex Jones I was referring to. In that, uh, uh, you'll turn into Alex Jones. Ooh. Um, but yeah, so while conspiracy theories are and can be a lot of fun, remember to keep your yourself firmly grounded in reality firmly grasp it (laughs) firmly grasp it (laughs) Haley doesn't get (laughs) she didn't have cable as a kid she she lived on a farm (laughs) just takes the the hollow earth theory and shoves it through your hand yeah firmly grasp is that what this is is the hollow earth no (laughs) Uh, so yeah be sure to, to keep yourself grounded and be careful to not let conspiracy theories become cornerstones of your worldview I think that's kind of when you start to have problems is when your worldview is is built around the conspiracies that you're you're indulging in yeah Tucker um, carlson <laughs> so if you need help we please reach out to 3v podcast <laughs> i didn't think the microphone picked that up <laughs> there's a nice little easter egg for some of our listeners <laughs> talking to your microphone as <laughs> she turns um, away from it sorry i well you said that like or mouth breather. So now I'm like trying to overcorrect. Only when you're not talking. Just when you're not talking. No, don't do not do that. It, it sounds so gross in the microphone. Every time I'm editing and I encounter it, I'm like, this is gross. I'm so sorry. Why would anyone Every time Brandon edits an episode, he like pukes four times. 
but basically the moral of that tangent that i just went on is is like be careful yeah be responsible and practice safe conspiracy which that's uh i'm <laughs> making that into a that's shirt a new, yeah, that's, our new, that's our next new shirt <laughs> uh, practice safe conspiracies <laughs> but as i just said conspiracy theories can be a lot of fun and in some cases those crazy conspiracy theories get revealed to actually be the truth. And we've seen several examples of this through history. I think the one that most people are familiar with is the MK Ultra program. Yeah. We were For just years talking about that today. It was thought to be totally fake. And turns out a lot of it was very, very horrifyingly real. So, yeah. So are you guys ready to dive into this conspiracy? I I'm think so. beyond ready. I'm beyond meat. <laughs> That's a conspiracy in and of itself. I know. It's all a conspiracy. Incredible <laughs> burger or whatever. <laughs> all right. So let me set the stage for you. It's World War II. As Axis forces move on Western Europe, Japan invades French-occupied Indochina. Ho Chi Minh, a communist leader who created the Viet Minh Army, rises up against the Japanese invaders. At the end of World War II, the Viet Minh created the Democratic Republic of Vietnam and declared it to be an independent state. Okay. I'm here for it. The French, they didn't take too kindly to their former occupied territory suddenly declaring independence. So just one year after the end of World War II in December of 1946, France and the Viet Minh entered into the First Indochina War, a war that would last eight years and result in the deaths of almost 400,000 people, with hundreds of thousands more being injured or displaced. Jesus. What does displaced mean? Uh, like dismembered no more like just they were uprooted they had to flee they had to oh, okay. not accounted for okay. not confirmed dead but definitely not alive uh, i think i think that's in there and also i think it's like oh our village is gone i guess we have to go live somewhere else mm, now. okay yeah that makes sense. or like move into other countries to avoid the war that okay. sort of stuff i've always been curious but too embarrassed to ask <laughs> <laughs> you know it's been it's been 24 years i should have asked by now <laughs> now in 1954 so this is eight years after the war starts. France and the Viet Minh came to the negotiating table at the Geneva Conference of April 26th to July 21st, again, 1954. Uh, apparently there were a lot of Geneva conferences and that's how they like keep track of them is by like the date. Yeah. Um, each side of the conflict came to the conversation with representatives from their various allied nations. So for uh, the Viet Minh, they came with the Soviet Union and the People's Republic of China supporting them. For France, the main ally who showed up were the United States and the United Kingdom, right? Yeah. Uh, pretty much what you'd expect at the dawn of the Cold War. Yeah. And uh, during the convention, a handful of provisions were created that would lay the groundwork for a peaceful resolution to the conflict in Indochina with three notable uh, provisions being that, number one, all hostilities would cease. Two, Vietnam would be divided in half along the 17th parallel with the Viet Minh controlling the northern section and the state of Vietnam, which was basically a puppet state for France and her allies, yeah. which would control the southern half. Can uh, I guess where we're going with this conspiracy? Where are we going with this conspiracy theory? Are we talking about like seeding? No. No? Okay. <laughs> Good carry guess, on. Go. Carry Good on. Guess. Uh, <laughs> And the third provision was that the fate of Vietnam would be decided by a general election that would occur in both the North and South simultaneously two years later on July 20th, 1956, with the idea being basically that they would have an election, the people of Vietnam would decide which ideology they wanted to go with, yeah. and the winner would take the whole country. Both sides more or less agreed, and the conflict in Indochina was resolved, and everyone went on to live happily ever after the end. Right? Yeah. 
No. I, uh, for maybe for a minute. <laughs> uh, wrong. <laughs> so if you know anything about history, you know there's wars to come in that area. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, so a few things to note about the Geneva Accord, um, which I don't know if I, I mentioned it, but that was the name of the the like document with all the provisions that they came up with at this summit, right? Yeah. Um, but a few things to note about the Geneva Accord is the first is that the agreement explicitly stated that the partition along the 17th parallel quote should not in any way be interpreted as constituting a political or territorial boundary basically it was meant to be a temporary ceasefire line and when the country reunified after the election uh it would be dissolved right Uh so it was basically like you guys go over there while we sort this out we'll go over here and we're just gonna not blow each other up right that was the idea the second thing to note about the geneva accord is that while most nations who participated in the accord pledged to uphold the agreement neither the state of vietnam nor the united states agreed to sign the accord Mm. so basically what they said was we aren't really bound to this legally and we don't agree to the agreement but we agree that we witnessed some other people agree agree to the agreement yeah and that was they say like we will still blow people up no and that's the that's the really weird thing about we're just not giving up the uh opportunity to blow someone up if we decide we want to later exactly (laughs) back out altogether or or yeah um so basically how legally binding this agreement was is still debated today like several of the websites i was like that was totally illegal and then other well what happens later on in the story was totally illegal and then other people are like the agreement was never signed yeah so it's it's one of those things where it's like it's weird that they even like went through with it and continued to like they they separated the the country the ceasefire happened more or less like it's weird that these different parts of the geneva accord went into action if only temporarily yeah um but like they didn't actually agree to it's it's a weird scenario okay i'm not gonna pretend like i understand politics in any shape or form so right right me either like this is one of those things where it's like if you didn't sign it then why didn't you just immediately go back to blowing each other which they kind of did but they kind of it's weird it's a weird situation over there they like took like a three-day mourning period (laughs) (laughs) but uh regardless of those two things after the accord the nation was split in half like i said the forces of each side retreated to their side of the border and the waiting game started um but before the elections in 1956 would get a chance to peacefully resolve the conflict the southern state of vietnam and her allies moved to undermine the geneva accord in 1955 the south held a vote on the state of vietnam referendum uh, though by most accounts, the referendum was really just an election for control of the state of Vietnam, with the two candidates being uh, the current head of state, a uh, gentleman by the name of Boadai, Boadai, I'm going to butcher these names, and the current prime minister of the state of Vietnam, Nadine Diem. So wait, Brandon, what happened in 1955? So <laughs> the, the southern half of uh, Vietnam... Mm-hmm. before the actual vote to figure out which way they were going to go which yeah. way they were going to go and yeah. reunify they had a vote that the like it was kind of poised as like are we going to back out of this or not type huh. thing but really it was like what it ultimately came down to was an election between these two folks okay yeah okay, okay. um and again apologies if i butchered those names foreign languages are foreign to me <laughs> <laughs> another t-shirt <laughs> but uh anyway uh, the united states they were supporting diem so the the current prime minister instead of the head of state and by most accounts the election was a complete sham 
Gbagbo Dai was barred from campaigning because of his position in the government because he was like the highest position. Uh-huh. But um, Diem, who was like just like one step down, was not barred from campaigning. So mm, some shady here. Uh, so Diem's campaign starts to throw out all sorts of rumors and misinformation, and Bo Dai has to let it just go unchallenged because he like legally is not allowed to campaign, which is like that's messed up. Yeah. And we're backing one of these guys, so like keep that in mind. The the good old US of A who believes in free fair elections is backing this guy oh um, so dm's campaign said that uh bodai was a drunk that he was having multiple affairs and even went as far as to suggest that he was an illegitimate child <laughs> like Jeez, they went hard i'm on glad to know that like in other countries and 70 years ago <laughs> political campaigns still are the we same we had our hand in this one cody i'm not convinced we didn't fuck this oh, up. oh guaranteed we can we i can... just like to know that they were like he's an all-around shitty person and to make it work he's a bastard his mom is love him <laughs> his That's... dad isn't his dad but guys the fuckery in this election did not stop there the actual vote was conducted with two ballots one representing each candidate which sounds pretty harmless right you get two ballots you cast the one that you want yeah but they're like they no it's opposite you put the one you don't want in there <laughs> it's even it's even better oh good they made the ballots different colored okay and uh in the case of bodai they made it green which at the time and in this region was associated with bad luck the color green is bad luck like, oh no it's a bad omen to be green meanwhile the m's ballots were red which is indicative of good luck so they're like they're like doing subconscious shit to like yeah. manipulate this on top of that uh many rural rural i can't say that word rural, <laughs> rural areas that's a hard word uh prevented the the like peasants from voting at all of course and in the capital of saigon over six hundred thousand votes were cast even though there were only four hundred and fifty thousand people in the city registered to vote how many votes were cast six hundred and fifty thousand so just a cool 25 percent over what was registered oh, jesus holy hell well, and, then, and then poor people were never given ballots at all or so, they weren't allowed to vote when i was reading this it sounds like in both uh northern vietnam and southern vietnam the kind of ideology of the north was more prominent right okay um the idea was that basically the the government that was in control of the south they knew that if that election rolled around they were going to lose the election right okay. basically the whole reason they did this vote is like we need a way to like get around this and the way they're going to do that is by getting this man elected and then he's going to back out and say no more or less and not uh-huh. go for reunification okay. okay um but uh just to make sure that this fraud of an election was as legitimate as possible <laughs> uh dm claimed to have won the election with a modest 98.9 percent of the vote Jesus. <laughs> yes so man that guy's got some balls so like he did the thing where like the that's the dumb kid in the class who's trying to cheat where they're like they cheat and give themselves extra credit well it's it's like if you're gonna cheat in class this is a heads up for any cheaters out there i definitely <laughs> never cheated in class and uh like but like on a self-graded home homework thing did you ever have the teachers where you'd self-grade yeah and you'd go through and you mark a couple of them wrong but then you take you give yourself a 70 maybe low 80s you don't go for 95 you never give yourself 100 oh yeah no <laughs> c's get degrees man you go yeah. for that you yeah. go for that 70 uh I go this for guy, that B shit. 98.9. Um, and also, it uh, sounds like that 
and I'm not sure if it was on the ballot or if it was just like in like the campaigning, but they always used like really old and unflattering photos of Bodai when they were like uh-huh. picturing him. It was just like messed up all around. Yeah, but uh, you know, the guy, we were back in one. So <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> um, with this victory, the South was reorganized from the state of Vietnam into the Republic of Vietnam. And the powder keg that was the geopolitical state of Indochina was set to blow. Uh, with the Democratic Republic of Vietnam in the North being supported by China and the Soviets and the new and definitely super originally named Republic of Vietnam <laughs> in the South supported by the United States as our allies. So for a minute there, we had the Democratic Republic of Vietnam in the North and just the Republic of Vietnam in the South. <laughs> it was like when you're having somebody copy your homework and you're like, change it a little bit <laughs> so they don't know you copied. <laughs> exactly. And I might touch on DM a little bit later because there's some stuff about that where it really is like really was copying the homework <laughs> um, but but it's not super important to this story we're just setting the stage here uh so now the stage is set we can finally dive into the topic of today's episode and i'm going to give you guys a, a second chance to guess and you in the audience if you're a history buff guess as to what we're going to be talking about today go i don't know <laughs> um <laughs> uh, time's up hey we go the cia did something <laughs> the Probably. murder of Bo. No. <laughs> okay. I don't we know. We are going to be talking about the Gulf of Tonkin incident. I would have yeah. never guessed that. <laughs> oh, I've played Call of Duty. I know how this works. <laughs> okay. But before we do, I want to cite my primary sources. My primary source is a fantastic piece by C-SPAN's American History TV called The Gulf of Tonkin Documents, uh, the History Channel and History.com, uh, Wikipedia, because we always got Wikipedia in there, mm-hmm. the National History Archive, and this is the big part, and declassified documents released to them by the NSA, so the National Security Agency or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm too tired to remember that. <laughs> and the CSS, which I don't remember what that stands for, via Freedom of Information Act requests or FOIA requests. Okay. Which is how a lot of interesting stuff has come out over the past couple of years. Okay. A lot of classified documents being requested through FOIA requests. That's how we've gotten some of the information on like some of the happenings in like the UFO world and stuff. Like yeah. all sorts of cool stuff's been coming via these FOIA requests. So thank you, Freedom of Information Act. Yeah. Uh, I salute ye. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the Gulf of Tonkin incident was a series of naval conflicts between the North Vietnamese and the United States Navy in the Gulf of Tonkin that took place on August 2nd and August 4th, 1964. For those of you who are a little rusty on your history, the Gulf of Tonkin incident led to the passing of the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution by the United States Congress, which gave President Lyndon B. Johnson the right to intervene on behalf of any Southeast Asian nation who was being threatened by communist aggression. Oh, uh, yeah. You commies. I was going to say. Basically, oh, go for it. Sorry. No, you go ahead. <laughs> uh, basically, it was like a golden ticket to like go to war without actually having to go through all the proper channels to actually go to war. Yeah, it's... uh. Man, getting into the rabbit hole already, but <laughs> basically every bad thing that's ever happened in the world, you can track it back to the United States trying to stomp out communism. <laughs> Most big world events can be tracked back, so it's like the six degrees of fucking Lyndon B. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the resolution and the aforementioned incidents uh, that it's named after were used as a justification for the United States to enter into what is known by many nations around the world as the second indochina war known to the vietnamese as the american war and known to the united states 
as the Vietnam War. Oh, God. Back in Nam, man. <laughs> and this is the part where uh, that one song. Fortunate Son. Yeah, Fortunate Son. Creedence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> yep. comes on. We're flying our helicopters over. <laughs> Hell yeah. And we're wearing aviators. <laughs> and um, Bubba Gump's there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, what else is happening? It's the part. The hippies like. are back in town. Like it goes to the hippies protesting mm-hmm. and they're burning their draft cards and everyone in Vietnam's all pissed about it. I think. I don't know if they actually were. And then fast forward 50 years and people are still listening to Fortunate Son by CCR, but they don't know any of what the lyrics are actually saying. It's very ironic. I actually, when I was, because uh, I was going to put in a, a joke about it. And so I actually yeah. like looked at the lyrics and I was like, it's very on the nose for what was happening at the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> now, the Vietnam War is incredibly controversial on its own. Um, if we were a history podcast, we could literally spend years covering it. It's a war that lasted 20 years and took the lives of some 1.35 million people, though a lot of sources say that that number is incredibly conservative and that the actual death toll is probably closer to 3.6 million. Jesus. Um, regardless, it was a horrific war with atrocities committed on both sides, uh, and it's a war that has forever stained the reputation of the United States. Um, I got to tell you this joke that Cody made once. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so we were hanging out with a group of friends, and this girl girl she was like working a cash register some something one of our group of friends she was working at the cash register and i guess this guy came up in a like veteran hat and he was like are you gonna thank me for my service and like pointed and he was like a vietnam veteran and uh cody made the best joke and said <laughs> oh god i don't remember this <laughs> like, what are you gonna thank him for his war crimes <laughs> oh god <laughs> Oh God! And me and Cody were the oh, only God. ones who laughed because we're the liberals. We just got canceled. Oh man! <laughs> you can't tell me. Never mind. I no. mean, war crimes were absolutely committed. We were dropping white phosphorus and napalm on anything that was green. And when we weren't doing that, we were just doing a bunch of opiates. Also, there was lots of rape. There were several massacres on both sides. Like it was not like no war is pretty, but the Vietnam War was especially ugly. Yeah. Um, it's- it's i've heard a lot of stuff about it and how gross it it's just i think that a lot of our wars are a lot less noble than we make them Mm -hmm. we look at them with like rose tinted goggles which is weird oh yeah vietnam is the first war where those atrocities got put under a spotlight yeah but again we're not a a history podcast and we aren't covering vietnam specifically today no and everything that's going to be said is strictly opinion from me anyways (laughs) yeah but uh rather we are covering the incident that officially started u.s involvement in said war so let's talk about the gulf of tonkin incident (sighs) the uss maddox (laughs) was an allen sumner class destroyer commanded by john jerome Herrick. She's 376 feet long, 40 feet wide, has a crew of over 300 sailors, and has six five-inch gun emplacements, 23 anti-aircraft guns, 10 torpedo tubes, and six depth charge projectors. Sounds kind of hot. She is a shining <laughs> example. Example. She is a shining <laughs> example <laughs> of American naval might in the East Asian Sea. I've got one uh, note for you. Mm-hmm. I've got it on good authority that they don't call them sailors. They call them seamen. <laughs> That's just Both facts. are acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on who's in the barrel. 
Y'all know about the barrel boys? In, in one That's of like five inch stuff. barrels. <laughs> wrong, wrong barrel boys. <laughs> <laughs> go, go, uh, the, the barrel boys is a, that's an older seaman's thing. <laughs> I love seaman. <laughs> I love older seaman. <laughs> but it's August 2nd, 1964, and the Maddox is doing a routine patrol in international waters in the Gulf of Tonkin off the coast of North Vietnam. Commander John Herrick is informed that the ship has spotted three. Vietnamese P-4 class torpedo boats in pursuit. Intercepted communications suggest these missile boats are out for blood and they intend to attack the Maddox. Herrick orders the ship to full speed and attempts to flee, but the smaller Vietnamese torpedo boats can go nearly double the speed of the Maddox and are closing quickly. Hmm. When the North Vietnamese torpedo boats get within 10 miles of the Maddox, and this this is a little bit weird, so depending on the source, it was 10,000 feet versus... 10 miles which i know like naval artillery guns they can shoot like ridiculous distance um so i'm not sure if this was 10,000 feet or 10 miles it gets sighted both ways yeah i've got 10 miles here i'm pretty sure later in the script i i reference the other number so apologies not sure which one it is it's probably the latter i would imagine but not 100 sure um herrick orders the maddox to fire three warning shots hoping to deter the would-be attackers but to herrick's dismay the vietnamese boats continue to come closer and closer to them and then without warning attack the maddox and launch torpedoes at her and her crew Mm. so wait someone attacked the u.s so ship or the maddox is just on a routine patrol in international waters okay hasn't done nothing wrong uh-huh. These three Vietnamese torpedo boats, they come after her and they're out for blood. Okay. They, they attack unprovoked. Okay. Okay. Uh, although we did fire warning shots because we're good guys and we wanted to, uh, we wanted to avoid conflict if, if possible. Right? Yeah, that's that sounds like the U.S. <laughs> now, luckily, the Maddox is able to evade this first like salvo of torpedoes, uh-huh. but one of them does come quite close, missing the Maddox by a mere 100 yards. The Maddox returns fire, scattering the torpedo boats, and calls for air support from the Essex-class aircraft carrier USS Ticonderoga that's stationed nearby. Okay. The Ticonderoga launches four F-8 Crusader jets to assist, and the Maddox scores a hit on one of the Vietnamese boats, uh, disabling its ability to like launch torpedoes, or at least that's what the article I was reading was saying. Um, so after the Maddox makes that one hit, uh, the Crusaders show up and they sink two of the missile boats and damage the other, and it goes fleeing. So the Maddox is able to escape with no casualties, and the only damage being a single bullet hole found on the ship's superstructure and some wing damage on one of the F-8 Crusaders that came to assist. Yeah, so we got to kill them. Like, we got to go take vengeance. Maybe. (laughs) So two days later, on August 4th, the USS Maddox, now accompanied by a second destroyer, a Forrest Sherman class named the USS Turner Joy, set off on yet another routine patrol in international waters in the Gulf of Tonkin. The weather is bad and the seas are rough. It's perfect weather for an ambush. Eric (laughs) and his crew are on the edge after the recent Vietnamese hostilities, as well as an additional intercepted message that suggests another attack is imminent. Suddenly, word comes in, multiple radar, sonar, and radio contacts. It's the North Vietnamese. They are back and they are seeking vengeance. There's incoming torpedoes, but the Maddox and the Turner Joy managed to successfully evade. They return fire and over the next four hours the destroyers engage in a chaotic fight for survival 22 hostile torpedoes are fired in this engagement but eventually the destroyers manage to escape even better 
they managed to destroy two of the attacking boats. Mm. Washington is immediately notified and President Lyndon B. Johnson addresses the nation. And we're going to listen to what he had to say here. LBJ. My fellow Americans, as president and commander-in-chief, it is my duty to the American people to report that renewed hostile actions against United States ships on the high seas in the Gulf of Tonkin have today required me to order the military forces of the United States to take action in reply. The initial attack on the destroyer Maddox on August 2nd was repeated today by a number of hostile vessels attacking two U.S. destroyers with torpedoes. The destroyers and supporting aircraft acted at once on the orders I gave after the initial act of aggression. We believe at least two of the attacking boats were sunk. There were no U.S. losses. The performance of commanders and crews in this engagement is in the highest tradition of the United States Navy. But repeated acts of violence against the armed forces of the United States must be met not only with alert defense, but with positive reply. That reply is being given as I speak to you tonight. Air action is now in execution against gunboats and certain supporting facilities in North Vietnam, which have been used in these hostile operations. So they moved pretty quick on this. The This speech I'm pretty sure happened the same day within just a few hours of this incident happening. And uh, that'll play a role a little bit later in the story. But for now, let's move on. So shortly after this incident, the Gulf of Tonkin resolution was passed, which um, I think I think I actually did touch on that a little bit earlier. It was it was the resolution that basically was like the free ticket to oh, like oh, go yeah, to okay. war oh, without. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I swear I mentioned this. The Gulf of Tonkin resolution was passed, I think, like on the 7th of that month. So it moved quick. It was only uh-huh. like three days after this incident. Mm-hmm. And the United States begins bombing runs on North Vietnam and begins landing troops. So, okay, this might be a dumb question. And just real quick, it's very important to note that the first bomb started to drop on the 5th. So one day after this incident. Okay. Yeah, didn't waste so no this time. was like the start of the Vietnam War. <laughs> Very start of the Vietnam okay. War. Okay. Okay. I was thinking like for some reason I was thinking we were in the middle of it right now. No, but this I'm is I'm not. <laughs> this is the very, very beginning. It's okay. just starting. And with that, the United States takes its first steps into what would become a twenty year long war. And that, my friends, is the story of the Gulf of Tonkin incident. Or is it? Dun, dun, it's dun. not because you said later in this podcast we'll touch on it. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may be asking yourself, Brandon, where's the conspiracy? You promised me a conspiracy. <laughs> you well, did. The you story, did. This feels like history. <laughs> the story I just told you is the official story that was told to the American people immediately after the incidents on August 2nd and August 4th, 
1964. But Brandon, are you telling me that the United States government might relay a narrative to its people that isn't exactly what happened as it happened in great accurate detail? I would never say such a thing to disparage the the, the name and honor of my nation. But yes, go to your... <laughs> you've hit the nail right on the head. Um, what if I told you guys the truth in this situation was an entirely different story? I would, I would not believe be shocked, it. Not, not entirely, but to largely. hear about it. Okay, I was like, is this a conspiracy or is this actually just what happened? <laughs> <laughs> now, while the story I just told does contain some nuggets of truth, it is ultimately more or less complete and utter bullshit. And the story I'm about to tell you is what really happened on August 2nd and August 4th, 1964, backed up by the paper trail of intercepted communications, recorded phone calls between the president, Lyndon B. Johnson, and the then Secretary of Defense, Robert Mc... Man, his name it gets me every time. It's M-C-N-A-M-A-R-A. McNara. Mac- Mac- McNamara. 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 McNamara, that's it, that's it. Cody's right. I've heard it pronounced (laughs) a few times. I just can never remember it. Uh, So it's backed up by a paper trail of intercepted communications, recorded phone calls between the two individuals I just mentioned, (laughs) firsthand accounts by Commander Herrick himself, who was the commander of the Maddox, and now released declassified documents obtained through Freedom of Information Act requests. So with the original story I just told you in mind, let's dive in to what we now believe is much closer to the truth. For several years now, the United States has been eyeing the situation in Vietnam as a disaster waiting to happen. They think that if Vietnam falls to communism, it will spark a chain reaction that will spread to the rest of East Asia. They desperately don't want this to happen and are prepared to take military action if need be to halt communism's advance. I wonder why it was our business. (laughs) Better red than dead, Haley. Or better dead than red. I got it backwards. (laughs) Uh, I know it's better red than dead. (laughs) But they're hot off the heels of not one, but two major world wars, and now the Korean War as well. The people of the United States don't want another foreign war, and they don't care about what's happening in East Asia. If the U.S. is going to get entangled in a new military conflict, they're going to need some damn good justification to feed the country to garner support. Yeah. I don't even think they did that well, because it was such a split war nonetheless. Initially, initially, like all wars, it has all the support. You know, oh, they attacked. They they attacked us. They yeah. attacked our boys. <laughs> yeah. America, we get real uppity. But they immediately started cooking up a plan to provoke North Vietnam into taking hostile action. Uh, this plan likely started being formulated almost immediately after the French relinquished their claim on Indochina. So, like during the first Geneva Conference that we talked about a little bit earlier, uh-huh. and the U.S. basically started backing uh, Nadine Diem, like basically immediately when we started talking about him. So, like mm-hmm. I, I, I get the impression this plan was like being formulated. It's it's been in the works for a while now. Yeah. On August first, nineteen sixty four, one day before the first attack in the Gulf of Tonkin. South Vietnamese commandos, South Vietnamese, keep that in mind, Mm -hmm. are preparing to conduct a strike on a North Vietnamese military radar installation under the guidance of the United States. At the same time, the USS Maddox is bearing down on North Vietnamese contested waters on a secret surveillance and reconnaissance mission under the guise of a routine patrol. Both missions fall under a top secret covert ops program that's targeting the North Vietnamese called Operational Plan 34 or as it's going to be referred to throughout the rest of this as O-Plan 34. 
which that all sounds pretty crazy, right? Especially when you compare it to the original story. Like, I didn't hear nothing about commandos that we were like training and sending into North Vietnam. Yeah. They were on a routine patrol in international waters. Those we waters just, weren't contested. We we're just going for a Sunday cruise in our big boat. <laughs> I kind of think of it like when you're a little kid and your sibling opens the door and they don't go in your room, but they're just standing there staring at you. Kind of. And you're like, what? What? get the fuck out what yeah. <laughs> like you just keep getting more and more mad and they just keep standing there staring at you and then that's when what we you, were doing to vietnam <laughs> then when you get mad you're the one who gets in trouble yeah 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 we are we are north vietnam in this scenario <laughs> <laughs> your little sister is america <laughs> um, uh so like i said that sounds pretty crazy but don't take my word for it here is a clip of then defense secretary robert McNamara. 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 Uh, discussing the events that transpired on August 1st and August 2nd in the Gulf of Tonkin with President Lyndon B. Johnson. Oh, so this is their secret phone call. Take a listen. Yes. Secret I love calls. It. Secret calls. I love knowing things I'm not supposed to know. <laughs> it's like a treat. It's the tastiest treat. I think I should also, or we should also, at that time, Mr. President, explain this Op Plan 34A these covert operations. There's no question but what that had bearing on it. Friday night, as you probably know, we had four TP boats from Vietnam, manned by Vietnamese or other nationals, uh, attack two islands. And we expended, uh, oh, a thousand rounds of ammunition, one kind or another, against them. We probably shot up a radar station and a few other miscellaneous buildings. And, and following 24 hours after that with this destroyer in that same area undoubtedly led them to connect the two events. I'll say that to Dirksen. So basically in this conversation, the president and the defense secretary admit that they had four boats loaded with South Vietnamese commandos attack a radar installation in the area and that simultaneously they had the USS Maddox bearing down in contested waters conducting even more covert ops. On top of that, McNamara, he's like, clearly they're not idiots. They were able to put two and two together and see these were related. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> we weren't as sneaky as we thought. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, it's OK. They don't need to trick the North Vietnamese. They just need to trick their fellow lawmakers in Washington and the American people. Yeah. No biggie. <sighs> oh, <clears throat> I'm a puppet. <laughs> Uh, like I just said, uh, McNamara, he basically admits here that they think that the two events in conjunction likely instigated the North Vietnamese response that we saw on August 2nd. So it wasn't an unprovoked attack. We sent a bunch of commandos who spent over a thousand rounds of ammunition attacking a radar installation and then started sailing a warship through their waters, conducting surveillance. Also, some of the stuff I was reading was saying that a lot of these missions, like the surveillance was just kind of like an added bonus. Uh -huh. uh, a lot of it was just like seeing how far they could push it before there was some pushback, right? Yeah. Well, apparently shooting a thousand rounds was but, what it took. So here's here's the thing with that is uh, the U.S., uh, they didn't even mention that to the United to the people in the United States because, uh, number one, they didn't even mention it at all. But number two, it was South Vietnamese commandos it wasn't yeah. us we didn't <laughs> train so them or tell them to do that or probably give them all of their weapons yeah. or anything and a couple of the sources that i was reading speculated that some of the commandos very well may have been american but that they like probably chose like people of like 
East Asian descent so that they could like still maintain that plausible deniability. So like yeah. just actually be like super fucking racist too and put um yeah like you like said. the one asian navy seal yeah <laughs> in seal team four is now with the south uh, and he's like commandos. i'm not even asian i'm japanese <laughs> you know like and that's not confirmed um it's it's not confirmed at all um it's just something that was speculated in a couple yeah. of the articles that i read yeah knowing so. that poor guy he was like from beverly hills <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't even speak the language okay <laughs> but uh speaking of the events that transpired on august 2nd what actually happened that day? So, God, if I know. so this is most, the day of the torpedo attack, right? This is the day of the first torpedo first attack. First one, okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, most of the major beats are the same between the original story and what I'm about to tell you. Uh, there was a conflict between the Maddox and three North Vietnamese torpedo boats. Mm-hmm. Air support was called in. Two of the torpedo boats were destroyed or damaged beyond like use. And uh, the only damage sustained on the U.S. side was the single bullet hole that was found on the Maddox and some damage to the one jet's wing. But like, do you guys think that there was anything else that was maybe left out or outright lied about in the official story? Um, for one, probably mermaids. They probably saw some mermaids <laughs> on. <laughs> Takes a crazy turn. For some reason, she couldn't talk, though. The Me? mermaid. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. What else am I trying to think of? Maybe Nessie. <laughs> that was probably left out. But like... Um, uh, maybe our warning shots weren't warning shots. <laughs> I would like to think that's true. And maybe they did say that no one died. Maybe someone did die. But the, I guess why would they lie about that? Because that would be more fuel for the American people if we lost mm-hmm. someone. That's, that's, that's bread and butter, man. Yeah. yeah. A yeah, hole we, in a boat's a lot less of a big deal than... Uh, you're right. Which is, which is why I actually think that this initial incident, why they didn't just jump on this initial one and like immediately do anything just because the damage was so insubstantial. Yeah. I bet the bullet was actually like shot from the inside of the boat <laughs> instead of the outside and it was probably just like some it was it gary. was captain herrick or whatever his <laughs> name yet. was <laughs> shooting someone else it's gary from engineering gary i told you not to bring your gun up onto the bridge i like guns <laughs> especially when you're drunk have you been drinking gary well yeah <laughs> <laughs> boom <laughs> tag you're it but uh yeah you guys are uh uh, very right and there were some pretty important details that uh failed to make it into the official story really we were chasing around those boats too. so first is that in the official story we are told that the uss maddox is an international waters conducting a routine patrol but we now know that they were actually conducting covert operations not a routine patrol and as far as the international waters claim goes that is also kind of bullshit as well we're going to dive into that right now see the north vietnamese claimed territorial waters within 12 nautical miles of the coast and that included both like mainland northern vietnam and like any islands that fell under north northern vietnamese like jurisdiction right mm-hmm. so you can't go within 12 nautical miles or else you're in their territory okay yeah. but the problem is, is the united states only recognized that claim up to five nautical miles oh so we were just like you know that thing you said we're no <laughs> yeah it's just it's just a big misunderstanding it's a difference of opinion you know we measure yeah. miles differently there's just kilometers <laughs> uh but like you know that's 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 an honest mistake right no uh and no absolutely not because uh honestly i have to give this one 110 percent to the north vietnamese because their claim of 12 nautical miles is the same claim that france made when they controlled indochina only a few years prior and it's in line with several other east asian nations 
stations in the area, a lot of them claim 12 nautical like, miles. It's just kind of like the standard. Like standard protocol, There's precedent yeah. for it, not just in the region, but specifically for Indochina. That very specific land, a few years ago when it was controlled by the French, that was their claim and the United States respected it. I'm going to say the United States comes in here and they're like, I swear to God, it was always five miles. You guys, <laughs> no, I don't know You about guys this. switched it on us recently. <laughs> it must have changed recently. Twinkies, did they always just come with two Twinkies in them? <laughs> I swear there used to be four. We got Mandela affected. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, as it turns out, the USS Maddox was approximately eight miles off the coast of North Vietnamese. So Uh, it wasn't even... um, We didn't just like barely tip over. Yeah, like that's four miles over. Yeah, but see, when you look at it this way, Haley, uh, we were some (laughs) three miles outside of what we recognized as the, the... the claim yeah we were in the clear we on were that in five the clear. mile marker so we were we were three miles past our claim they were four but we're four miles past theirs like honestly i think that balances out we're in international waters i think that's how that works give or take yeah <laughs> well, so who's, who's gonna bust out a tape measure and really see you know yeah, exactly how would they know <laughs> and uh and so once again i say you look at how france had the same claim as north vietnam a bunch of the other countries and like the countries that support uh vietnam like the the People's Republic of China also had the 12-mile claim at the time. Like, the the precedent was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was very obviously us being the, the annoying, like, younger sibling. Yeah. And so I don't see any other way to read this as more deliberate provocations on our part on top of the O-Plan 34 provocations that we mentioned a little bit ago. Like everything about this is just provocation after provocation after provocation. Yeah. Next, we have something that was uh, completely omitted from the official story when it was told to the American people. And I I kept it in in my telling, but uh, the American people were told that the Vietnamese shot first and basically President Johnson conveniently left out the bit about warning shots fired. And I think I have a re I think I have an understanding of why that happened. If they were truly in international waters performing a routine patrol, you could say that a warning shot is purely defensive, not provocative, and like totally justified, right? You're you're in international waters, you're fleeing from like pursuers who are coming after you. Yeah. Like warning shot, that's that's fair game. But as we just discussed, they weren't in international waters. Yeah. yeah. And uh, based on all the other provocations, the fact that they're in North Vietnamese territory, if you're one of those North Vietnamese sailors and you see a warning shot from but a boat in that's your... in your territory, that doesn't look like a warning shot. No, yeah, that's... that's just bad aim. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't think that the, the U.S. Navy has any, like, ground to stand on in this particular scenario. Like if there were warning shots fired in this scenario, it would have been the North Vietnamese shooting a warning shot at the U S Yeah, like if the roles were reversed and that was, you know, a a Russian boat, you know, not respecting the United States's territorial waters. Yeah. We'd be the ones firing the the warning shot, not the Russians. That's how that works. The the whole team gets to fire the warning shot. It would look like a pirate (laughs) ship coming up. To, you know, the coast of Florida and <laughs> like shooting their cannonballs. That's a sign of war. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's in the pirate's code. <laughs> but uh, now we're going to listen to another clip here. Uh, this one from Thomas Blanton, who is the director of the National Security Archive. And we're actually going to be hearing from him a couple times throughout this episode. So take it away, Mr. Thomas Blanton. And begin to understand two huge realities that were not known to the public at the time. One, that the 
North Vietnamese attacks on the 2nd of August 1964 were actually provoked by us. They weren't the unprovoked aggression that was presented to the American public as the basis for our bombing back. That in fact, we were running all these secret patrols, the so-called DeSoto patrols, top secret, to test coastal defenses, to figure out how the North Vietnamese radar worked, to see how they would respond and to intercept their communications among their Haiphong Naval Headquarters and their actual torpedo boats on the coast as part of an ongoing pressure on the North Vietnamese. And so the, their attacks on our boats on the 2nd of August were presented as unprovoked aggression when actually we had provoked them. So this was one of the big secrets. The president knew it, the national, the, the Defense Secretary knew it. We've got him on tape talking about it. So let's move on to August 4th, 1964. Uh, the USS Maddox is joined by the USS Turner Joy on a joint patrol in the Gulf of Tonkin. The weather is bad. The seas are rough. Perfect weather for an ambush. <laughs> <laughs> Herrick and his crew are on edge after the recent Vietnamese hostilities, as well as an additional intercepted message that suggests another attack is imminent. Uh, so far, this is all sounding very familiar, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what if I told you the communication suggesting an imminent attack was actually just a clerical error? I'd 100% believe you. <laughs> Let's take a listen. And the story we now know is two different intercept detachments in the Philippines pick up some of the same messages, but one of them, some Marine Corps interpreters, reads the messages as a warning of a, an imminent attack, but it wasn't actually a translation of the North of Eden's message. It was their interpretation of a separate message that was about just refueling the boats that had attacked on the 2nd of August. So you have this error, but understandable, in the sense of you've got guys sitting there with headphones on their head, translating from the Vietnamese, listening in on North Vietnamese conversations, and on the edge of their seats, because there had been an attack on the 2nd, and their mission is to get those communications ahead of time, give warning, protect American sailors' lives. So you can see where that, well, better warn if there's a hint of it. Same communications are also being intercepted by another unit, but that unit translates them as refueling of those boats that actually are being replenished, I think is the word they use. But because it's not a warning of an attack, that translation goes out at a lower frequency than the warning of an attack. One's at the critic level and the other's at the priority level. So the critic one comes through the system in Washington and on the destroyers hours and hours ahead of the other one, even though it's a translation of the same intercept. And you can see what that does. Then that puts the people on the destroyers on edge. So they're like, yeah, they're gonna attack. And everybody's like, okay, let's get ready for that. And then they're like, wait, I was wrong. <laughs> but nobody hears that second part. <laughs> yeah, and basically what happens is they, they send out, you know, the one team, they send out their version that's like, an attack is imminent, like, be prepared. 
And then the other guys, they're like, uh, they're replenishing slash refueling the boats that were involved in the incident on the second. Two totally different messages. Yeah. With two totally different levels of like intensity. So it was like, they need to get gas. And the other guy was like, no, they want to pour gas on us yeah, and, and I, kill us. <laughs> again, one article I was reading was saying that they actually like, eh, like it's a little bit of a weird translation thing where... um. It wasn't so much that like that one boat was refueling, more so that they'd sent like a, a recovery boat out to try and re- like salvage uh-huh. uh, the boats mm-hmm. that had been, uh, you know, damaged beyond use yeah. a- a- the day before. But like either way, uh, not an attack. And so we've got all these sailors who were attacked two days ago. You know, it's ambush weather. <laughs> it's yeah. ambush weather. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they are, they're now on the edge of their seat, just like specifically watching for like the worst case scenario. Yeah. yeah. Well, they've been told that that worst case scenario is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So like I just barely said, man, I always do that thing where I talk off my script and then I say the th- same thing that's in the script. Uh, so the crew is very much on edge pumped and primed to jump at shadows. And ultimately, that's exactly what they did. Uh, When they saw unusual sonar and radar activity, the crews of the Maddox and Turner jumped to the conclusion that they were under a torpedo attack and immediately sent out a communication stating as much. This communication quickly found its way back to McNamara back in Washington. And when McNamara got the report, he immediately jumped into action. He didn't wait for confirmation. He had his retaliatory plan already drafted and he jumped on it like literally immediately. And we're going to listen to a little clip now between McNamara and President Johnson regarding this. Yes. Secretary McNamara on 9 and I set up those meetings for this afternoon with the Senate and House leaders, and I thought if it was agreeable with you, I would say to them that some months ago you asked us to be prepared for any eventuality in the Southeast Asia area, and as a result of that, we have prepared and just completed very detailed target analyses of the targets of North Vietnam. As a matter of fact, in 10 minutes I'm going over with the chiefs the final work on this. We have pictures, analyses, numbers of sorties, bomb loadings, everything prepared for all of the target systems of, of North Vietnam, and I would describe this to the, the leaders simply indicating your desire that we be fully prepared for whatever may develop. And furthermore, we've prepared detailed movement studies of any contingency forces required, air squadrons, etc. And say, obviously now, if you go put this in the paper, yeah, and and I'm going to tell him that. And your enemy reads about yeah. it, then yeah. he thinks we're right. already taking off, and obviously you've got us in a war. But I've got to be candid with you, and I won't tell you the truth. Exactly. I was going to start my remarks by that, to be damn sure it doesn't, or try to be sure it doesn't get in the paper. So they, like, talked about how, like, this looks like we started a war. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we did. <laughs> Not even so much, uh, looks like we started a war, more... Looks like we're getting the war we've been planning. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know if you caught that part where he's like, we're going to tell the chief of staff we've had this plan in the works for months now. Really, I'm convinced they've been working on this plan for years. Yeah. They had yeah. the papers all ready to go. Like later on in this uh, 
in my primary source, they show like they had a basically like ready to go template for the Gulf of Tonkin resolution that was like just waiting to be filled in with like incident report details. Well, and like, I love the idea of, you know, they're filling out forms and he's like, just sign there. And they're like, it's, a, it's already been signed for me. Oh, <laughs> then I guess it's all done. <laughs> like, yeah. And they take it away. It, it It's fishy. I don't like that. And uh, again, so this is moving quick. This is on the day of the attack. And literally the next day, there will be bombs being dropped in Vietnam. I was going to say, they've, they're like calling for this all before that second translation of that message has even made it through. <laughs> oh, also, I might add, uh, when I say the second attack, I mean the second attack. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So let's get back to our story. Within half an hour of receiving the initial communication about the attack, President Johnson ordered their pre-planned retaliatory attack. And on August 5th, the first U.S. bombs started falling on North Vietnamese targets. And uh, I'm pretty sure within a few days they had, it wasn't a huge amount, but like some 3,500 U.S. troops landing. But uh, within a year, they'll have 200,000 there. So don't worry. Oh, yeah. I wasn't worried. <laughs> now let's uh, backtrack a little bit here and uh, take a look at the incident that happened on August 2nd as it was reported in the official story. Um, during the initial attack on the Maddox, uh, you'll note that it only took 15 minutes after the call was made for air support from the nearby USS Ticonderoga to arrive. In the original story, the second battle lasted some four hours, yet there was no mention of air support. Hey y'all, future Brandon here. So as I was listening to this episode, as I was editing it, uh, I couldn't help but notice that the original clip that I played for you guys around the 35 minute mark, uh, President Lyndon B. Johnson did indeed uh, acknowledge the, the aircraft on the scene. It's just kind of glossed over in the speech and it's incredibly glossed over in all the sources that I was looking at when I was preparing for this episode. Uh, so I just I just straight up missed that. That's my bad. But I, I think that my point here still mostly holds water, uh, uh, especially with, with some of the statements that, that you're going to hear in a minute. But, but yeah, just wanted to make that correction. They absolutely do mention it and uh, the keen ear to view. Uh, we're probably already writing an angry email with that correction. So thank you for your time. Back to the episode. Hmm. Well, this is another point that was very conveniently left out of the official story. Planes were again dispatched basically immediately from the Ticonderoga as well as another nearby carrier, the USS Constellation, uh, within like minutes of this message being received. But it was likely omitted because one of the squadron leaders, a man by the name of James Stockdale, would have reported that within minutes of arriving at the scene, it was clear to see there was no attack. Stockdale is quoted as saying, I had the best seat in the house to watch that event, and our destroyers were just shooting at phantom targets. There were no PT boats there. There was nothing but black water and American firepower. Stockdale later said that he was told by his superiors to keep quiet about what he had witnessed that day. So they were just literally shooting at the water for They fun. were literally just shooting. Not for fun. They legitimately thought they were under attack because they were getting some weird stuff on sonar and possibly they were seeing like some shadows on radar. Mm -hmm. um, we'll circle back to, to that here in just a minute. I like circling back. This, this you know, gives circle big, the wagons. Uh, what's his name from the Church of Scientology? Uh, L. Ron Hubbard mm -hmm. when he was in the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> he like blew up that log. <laughs> hey, that was a that was a very dangerous log. It was, but I'm like, damn, was L. Ron Hubbard the captain of one of these ships? <laughs> 
But uh, back on the Maddox and the Turner Joy, it only took them about two hours to realize that there was no attack. So uh, they were just it like... It only took them two hours? Two hours. So they It were, usually takes me about 30 seconds to realize someone's not in the room with me. They were doing <laughs> evasive maneuvers. They were firing off shells just like... <laughs> there was like a guy who just busted out his handgun and was shooting it off the side of the boat. <laughs> and like unconfirmed blips on radar and stuff. Our squadron commander, James Stockdale, even said at one point, the Turner like turned its guns on the Maddox and was like, nope, wrong one. And went back the other way. Um, but but uh, the moment That's they like realized that they had made a mistake, Captain Herrick, he made a call to uh, correct himself, stating that there was no attack, that they attributed the initial incoming torpedoes as equipment malfunctions based on the weather conditions and the rough seas, possibly like some large fish in the area that was confusing stuff. <laughs> they shot a dolphin. Um, <laughs> and, and that's where the the initial like incoming torpedo sightings that they like had came from. And that the subsequent d- detections were likely attributed to the destroyers picking up each other's like massive wakes as they're doing these like evasive maneuvers uh-huh. on top of their own propeller beats, which I guess like in sonar, like when you're looking at like a, so- or when you're listening to a sonar reading, like propellers, they, they have a distinctive like tone or whatever uh-huh. um, and basically the idea is that as they were making those really aggressive maneuvers in these seas uh, the beats of the propellers were being reflected off the rudder and like that was what the radar operators like, I don't know what radar, it is the, but it uh, sounds crazy the out sonar, there. <laughs> the sonar operators were hearing. Um, so for those two hours these ships were fighting an intense <laughs> battle dodging torpedoes that weren't there and firing at ships that didn't exist. These guys were just <laughs> geez Louise. I like the idea too of like and then we went to war after that yeah i just like i mean not like but vietnam was just literally sitting there watching like whoa these guys are crazy we don't (laughs) want to fuck with them yeah and they're like we don't want to get in war (laughs) so i've got another clip here for us to listen to during the second of august attacks there was a ton of electronic intelligence and signals intelligence in between the boats with directing them all the way through the period of the attack and the withdrawal and the damage to the ships. During the 4th of August, at the very moment you have the destroyers reporting torpedoes in the water, there's no electronic signaling. There's no communications being picked up coordinating these, these attacks. If there's no electronic intelligence of the boats talking to each other, it means there's probably not an attack. And to me, the, maybe the most telling of all the, we now have thousands of pages of the primary sources. We've got the intercepts, we've got the internal histories, we've got the tape recordings of the president, we've got the photographs of the attack, we've got the State Department intelligence histories, we've got the Joint Chiefs of Staff histories. But to me, the, the document that leaps out of the whole batch is the, is the White House senior staff meeting. This is the day after. <laughs> So they come in, early morning, staff meeting, with George Bundy, National Security Advisor, is presiding. And um, Bundy says, according to these notes, on the first attack, the evidence would be pretty good. On the second one, the amount of evidence we have today is less than we had yesterday. So you got less information today than you had yesterday, and you already bombed them. 
And uh, with that, the incident on the 4th of August came to its anticlimactic conclusion. There was no damage to either ship to indicate that there was a battle. There was no visual sighting of an enemy ship by anyone on the Maddox or the Turner Joy. No bodies, wreckage, or physical evidence of any kind was found to support the idea that there had been an actual attack or battle at that location. And even with Commander Herrick's correction being called in just two hours after his initial call, the damage was already done. The plan was already in motion and it could not be undone. So I've got another clip here for us. I'm a clip boy today. We've got clips. You're a real clipperous. I do, like, I do like the idea like they're listening for torpedoes and, you know, one guy in the back is like blow drying his hair and that's the sound <laughs> that they're picking up. And they're like, it sounds crazy down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Earl, if you don't stop blow drying your hair so I can't hear these torpedoes, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> if we take a torpedo because your hair... Had to look nice. <laughs> For the Vietnamese. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, turns it off and he's like, where'd it go? <laughs> <laughs> Turn it back on. I can't hear the torpedoes. <laughs> There's something wrong with the wiring. I just, to be a fly on the wall, there's just two big ass battleships <laughs> well, just doing fucking figure eights and blowing shit up and probably shooting like endangered turtles and stuff. That's, that's exactly what the squadron commander who was yeah, flying was overhead like, said. He's, he's like, what is going on down there? Like, there's nothing. Uh, my God. Ghost ships. <laughs> my God damn. It's Davy Jones. So. Uh, that would be interesting. Maybe they were shooting at something. It was just a ghost ship go ship okay go, go clip ship. <laughs> go clip boy <laughs> clippy the attack on the second wouldn't be enough for a blank check resolution to pursue war for a couple reasons one is president mcnamara and some members of congress like senator dirksen the minority leader according to those phone calls that we've published knew that we were running our own covert operations against the north vietnamese and so they were responding to us. So you couldn't present the 2nd of August as unprovoked aggression. But in public statements after the 2nd of August, on the 2nd and the 3rd, the President and McNamara and the others had said, if they attack us again, we're going to whack them. If they attack us again, we're going to shoot back. If they shoot at us again, I can't be seen to be weak, we're going to whack them. So, We're going to whack them. <laughs> <laughs> so that just kind of talks about what I was saying earlier, where like they knew that they didn't have enough with that first attack. And so when this new exciting second attack came through through the, the chain, they like, jumped on it. Like we told you, like, if you did anything again, then we were going to we we're going to get you. It was it was Christmas for I'm convinced it was Christmas for Johnson and McNamara. It could not have gone any better, well, except for the like, fact that the incident didn't actually happen. Yeah, <laughs> that's what made it so good is they didn't even actually have to have a bad battle yeah. <laughs> just got to start a war <laughs> well and that's what's funny too is it makes you kind of wonder if they said now if no matter what at this time you just need to start shooting <laughs> doesn't matter if you see anything or not i just need you to shoot <laughs> so and i'm probably gonna repeat myself later because i think i talk about this in like the closing thoughts here because we're getting to the end we're almost there i'm convinced that they just jumped on it because it was so like it was the per it was the perfect one right yeah but um 
I'm convinced that had this not happened, had the, the guys on the ships not screwed up and misread whatever readings they were taking, the next 20 years would have still played out the same. Yeah. Because they would we have were still provoking. They would have found day. another reason. It would have just yeah. been a matter of time. Whether it was a week from now or two months from now, we would have forced some provocation because that's what we were trying to do. We were trying to force a provocation. And yeah. you can only you can only push someone so many times before they push back. So. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting too, if those guys are like, okay, well, if something happens, we can't look weak, so we got to do it. What are the odds that the next day they're like, say no more, we can make something happen? And they're like, whoa, how? I think it wouldn't have been worth the risk to him. I've got a conspiracy theory. What if all the weird radar malfunction stuff, what if somebody made that happen on purpose? Because the best way to get all these semen on board and having a fake attack is to fake a real attack. Right. Know what I'm saying? And, and that's. <laughs> that is definitely like a possibility that I, I don't understand how the sonar systems and radar systems on these boats work. I, I like to think you. Harold B. Lee. Is that his name? <laughs> Lyndon B. Johnson. <laughs> Lyndon Harold B. Jo- B. Lee. <laughs> Harold B. Johnson. <laughs> Proud American citizen Haley over here. Harold it's, B. Lee. Is that I a remember prophet? President Harold B. Lee. <laughs> okay. So Johnson, I like to think he did star six, seven <laughs> to the boat. And he's like, put me on speaker. He's like, <laughs> oh holy cow they're shooting torpedoes everywhere this is crazy Whoa. <laughs> oh my god there's Nom's lasers the cousin definitely isn't president harold b lee on the phone <laughs> <laughs> but I, i'm convinced that uh because they did have to work like pretty hard to cover this up and there were a lot of there are a lot of places in the chain of all these communications going back and forth where there's like huge potential for leaks i'm shocked yeah. that this didn't come out more aggressively sooner yeah. um and there were people who questioned it throughout the years and there were people who like caught some of these little things and the inconsistencies when i was gonna say with how uh to like how many i mean just from what i know with the amount of protests about nom i don't know if they necessarily knew that we you know started our own war but it was definitely said that i mean we're there for no good reason and they weren't wrong i don't think they knew the information that we're talking about today but no and it's it's one of those things where like i say they would have had plenty of other opportunities they didn't need this to happen it was just bad luck at like evil politician land yeah and they just happened to like jump on the bad intel that they got Mm -hmm. but they made it work so yeah Now, uh, back in Washington, at this point, it's starting to become more apparent that the intel was bad. And like I say, they actually had to do a little bit of work to cover this up and kind of like get it on the down low and and justify it. It was becoming clear that they had moved prematurely and that the situation was quickly snowballing. But the plan to escalate was already in motion. Like I say, by the 5th, bombs were already dropping. Like they moved fast. Yeah. So like when you find out a couple hours later that like your intel was bad and there wasn't actually an attack if you told the bombers to launch half an hour after you got the first bad news like it's it's in motion you're, yeah. you're done you've, you've made your bed you gotta lay in it and so uh to give the policymakers in washington some evidence to further back up the bogus story that was being fed to them and to like really like sell the story the nsa took one of the more recent communications that had been intercepted from the north vietnamese and summarized the translation in a top secret briefing document that they gave to said lawmakers and policymakers. Uh, they, they just switched the dates. They more or less fabricated evidence to keep this lie going. Like it's it's very blatant, and we've got a short clip here that's going to show you exactly like how much they they stretched this. Please. This is a summary of those 
North Vietnamese naval communications during the period 1 to 5 August, which demonstrate irrefutably that their naval boats did, in fact, engage a pre-planned combat against our destroyers when the actual attack here, their aggressive intent as early as the 1st of August. So that's straight from the document. That was like the header of this document, like, we've got the proof. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just the communication just means just summarize without giving the exact source of where they picked it up, but they were just summarizing this top secret code word Dinar document is what the National Security Agency then provided top policymakers like McNamara to continue to defend the position that second attack did take place, it was aggressive intent, and they basically had left out of this chronology all the messages that did not support that story. We shot down two enemy planes in the battle area and one other plane was damaged. This is a North Vietnamese communication. We sacrificed two ships and all the rest are okay. Combat spirit very high. We're starting out on the hunt. So what you just listened to there is what the NSA was saying was in the message that they intercepted from the mm -hmm. North Vietnamese. So this is what the North Vietnamese was saying. On the day of the set, so said battle. Exactly. Okay. Which... Even that, like, to me, that is, like, racist white guy translation. Like, how some of that stuff was worded. That was, like, the guy trying to be like, all right, how do I, how do I talk like an Asian man? Like, yeah. like yeah. It, am I wrong in some of the wording of that? No, we are wrong. in good spirits and on the hunt. Like, yeah. that is very yeah. much like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's continue. <laughs> so that's one version of translation. Another version of translation is that one of the torpedo boats, Swatow's, re reports to headquarters, we shot at two enemy airplanes, not we shot down, <laughs> and at least one was damaged. Over here it becomes one other plane was damaged. The, the summary, which the top policymakers use, we sacrificed two ships and all the rest are okay. In the original, we sacrificed two comrades, but all are brave and recognize our obligation. So when you go back to the original, you see the word comrades. <laughs> when you go to the summaries prepared after, you see the word boats. Two comrades becomes two boats. Two boats sounds like a huge attack took place. Two comrades, we now believe, are people who were wounded on the 2nd of August, not shot on the 4th of August. There was no attack on the 4th of August. So you, you can, it's by going back and looking at these originals which is what the National Security Agency should have done at the time, but didn't. Instead, they prepared a chronology that would show irrefutably what the president had said on national television. Okay, that was the message that even the NSA got. They got that message, so I'm gonna read that back to you. We shot at two enemy airplanes and at least one was damaged. We sacrificed two comrades, but all are brave and recognize our obligation. That is the message okay, that's the that we one. received. That's the real message. But basically they changed it to, uh, we shot down two enemy planes. We sacrificed two boats. Uh, but the rest are okay. And if you look at the two messages, one of them matches the first incident pretty well perfectly, okay? Yeah. So in the first incident, they didn't touch the Maddox. They hit it with one bullet. They didn't do damage to that boat, so they didn't like take any credit for anything like that. And I think the piece that really sells it to me is we shot at two enemy planes, damaged one. Yeah. Which, yeah, which was the wing the, of the one. Exactly. And what's convenient about this whole thing is this the very beginning of this document goes to show like just the extra amount that they were going to try and like 
uh, what would be the right word to Oversell. distort yeah. to to stretch the lie like yeah. as far as they could. So let's retake a look at the very first line in this document. This is a report of the summary of those naval communications during the period of 1 to 5 August. So they, they give a date range there instead of the specific day mm-hmm. that the transmission was received. And then they say yeah. this really, really, really did happen. Because this particular one was not received the day of the supposed second attack. It was received on the third, mm-hmm. the day in between the two attacks the the two air quotes attacks again this is this is the document that the folks on capitol hill got when they had to make their decision so like so it was good enough for them well i mean to be fair in theory we're supposed to trust our intelligence documents that are placed on our desk that come from yeah you know in this case the nsa was going out of their way to make very striking changes to support you know the fact that they fucked up um and like everyone who was in on this fucked up rather than like be like we fucked fucked up up." yeah yeah exactly uh but again at this point it was too late to back out they they really they can't uh not without destroying any credibility that the government agencies and the current administration had this was during an election year so like we we can't have that scandal yeah and uh not without giving away the fact that they had been actively trying to provoke the north vietnamese hoping for a response that we could use as an excuse to go to war that was the other thing If, if this comes out that this whole thing was a fabrication that's why they had stuff ready to go that's why they were pushing it through as fast as they can the entire cat's out of the bag at that point <laughs> so like i say they to me it looks like they were they were looking for any excuse to retaliate and start this war mm-hmm. uh what they weren't expecting was for the crews of the maddox and turner joy to make just a genuine mistake to misread their equipment and accidentally fabricate an entire confrontation <laughs> with the enemy now, not that it had much of a difference on the end result. Like we were talking about earlier, I'm convinced that had this not happened, the next 20 years would have played out in the exact same way. Yeah. yeah. They would have found an excuse. They would have kept poking the bear until something happened. But it certainly goes to show us that things aren't always as they're they're fed to us and that the things that we do are not always, and I say that as like a nation, are not always benevolent. And I think it's very important that we we don't look at ourselves as infallible and put ourselves up on this this crazy pedestal because we've we've proven time and time again in history that we are just as capable of fucking up probably even more so in a lot of scenarios than other other countries out there and if you're from one of those other countries out there congrats you you get a pat on the back today because you you (laughs) didn't uh start the vietnam war with an incident that didn't actually happen well we look down (laughs) on other countries too because they talk about like themselves in a higher light and we're like that didn't happen that way that didn't happen that way you're getting fed lies i know that was something that was taught to me when i was younger is that they lie and say that they're the best country in the world to their people but really we are but really we do the same exact thing (laughs) we we uh skim over the dark parts of our history but even just as like an individual person doesn't mean you don't love yourself if you tell yourself that you've done something bad Mm Or that you need to work on something. But for some reason, when it comes to the United States, if we say, hey. We fucked up. America, you've been like eating a little bit too much lately. Like, no, I haven't. I'm the perfect weight for my bone structure. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we just double down and lie even more. (laughs) And it's it's one of those things where there is kind of a culty mentality to like patriotism in the United States. Oh, yeah. To a point where we, a lot of people view like 
our country is not being able to do wrong and like just so far above and ahead of every other nation in the world. And it's like, we're actually quite similar. And when you do that, when you place yourself on that pedestal, you don't give yourself room to look back at your mistakes and the the things that you've done wrong in history and improve on them. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we don't. I actually do love America quite a bit. I love it so much that I want everyone here to be healthy and have humane rights. And I love America so much that I understand that it's not perfect and I love her despite it. And as long as we look at that as a culture and we can fix it, then it's, you know, that's all we can do. We can't go back and give, you know, three point whatever million people their lives back. Mm -mm. All we can do is respect it and learn from it and try to do and that's my spiel i'm not anti-american but no. i'm anti how we are right now <laughs> I, absolutely not I, I i love the united states but i also think that like girl needs some work we we look a lot of people they kind of look at like the the 60s kind of that era you know everybody's got their white picket fence and their 2.5 children they see like the american dream and it's like yeah. no the american dream is ever evolving and the the goalpost is, is always being moved because there's always room for improvement and self-reflection yes. so and that's that's the thing that I I love is that we have the capacity to do that even if we don't always do that. Yeah, I didn't want to come off anti-American yeah. for a sec. No, and and like I'm sure this episode does come across as very anti-American, but like oh, but also, we fucked up. We fucked up. We fucked up. We <laughs> fucked up. Own it. <laughs> it's like it's like the War of 1812 where we picked the fight with Canada and the UK again because we were like we want more land. <laughs> it's like we didn't need to do that. We didn't need to do yeah, that. We still have Montana. <laughs> we we lost we lost they burned down the White House that war we would we were like losing that war. Do you want to know? Luckily, the British just didn't care, and they were like, "War war's over," and we're like, "Thank you." So, um, are you ready for this like fun fact? Did you ever do the wax museum? Oh yeah. So I was Dolly Madison, fourth president of the United States, wife, and during the War of eighteen twelve, she went back into the White House that was on fire, and I believe she rescued. A picture of George Washington and the Declaration of Independence from that fire. She ran back in. Also, she was the first first lady <laughs> to ever have a pet in the White House, and it was a green parrot. What a hero. <laughs> a true American hero. You said hero. War of 1812, and I was like, <laughs> trivia. <laughs> I was going to say, you would be shocked to find out how many times Haley has told me that just this week alone. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are getting ready for some sexy time, and she's like, did you I am ever Dolly do Ma- <laughs> the Wax Museum? I usually do it in my monotone voice and how I really presented it, because I think I still have the speech memorized. Are you ready for it? Hi, my name is Dolly Madison, and I was James Madison's wife. He was the fourth president of the United States. I was the first first lady to ever bring a pet inside the White House, which was a green parrot. During the War of 1812... What was your parrot's name? I don't remember. (laughs) During the War of 1812, they set fire to the White House, and I ran back in and got... And I'm adding, like, the nervous... Because that's how nervous I was when I was presenting. (laughs) You mean, like, the fourth grade or something? (laughs) Yeah. And I ran back in and saved a painting of George Washington and the Declaration of Independence. I died, and I don't remember the rest, but that was, like, my first spiel. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But... (laughs) Then I had to go back to being wax. <laughs> Haley's, Haley's trying to play off her nervousness is her trying to like play the character of her former self rather than the fact that she just got found out that she's uh, an American hating communist. <laughs> Comrades. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, my friends, is the true-ish 
I don't think we'll ever know the full truth of what exactly transpired that day or the full truth of all the behind the scenes working stuff. Um, some yeah. of that, some of that was my interpretation, like the whole, the whole, they'd been working on this for years. That's my interpretation based off of the stuff that I've read. It could be wrong. They could have, they could have only been working on it for a few months, but either way, they were definitely trying to provoke, provoke an attack and start a war. <laughs> so, and we succeeded and we, we did, we, 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 we did. Can we track down one of those seamen that was on one of those ships and just say yo yeah they probably have, have a bomb inserted into their body there's, and um, if they start talking about it there's actually a ton of statements not just from uh commander uh herrick uh but from other sailors and airmen and stuff and it gets a little bit weird because there'll be like commanders from like other ships who weren't at the incident were like we saw smoke coming from the the region the battle was taking place in yeah we heard the shells yeah but that's like that's just um want to be a part of it syndrome exactly because yeah. <laughs> i mean how many times have we heard someone say oh my sister-in-law's cousin knew ted bundy right and it's like i don't and yeah, I think even within the ships that were involved, I think there are some people who to this day say that they were attacked. Yeah, I think it just is one of those things where it depends on uh, like I'm trying to put myself in that person's shoes. Right. When there's all this overwhelming evidence that just says you guys fucked up. That's a really big fuck up, especially if you were one of the people like on the ground during it. Yeah. And it would be really hard to admit that yeah. that fuck up spiraled into probably if not the most the tide for the most controversial hated war in united states history yeah yeah so and also you know there's probably pressure from higher ups within the command like the one uh squadron commander was told not to talk i guarantee so like i take testimony a little bit less seriously the captain calling in the oh we fucked up immediately after that's pretty genuine to me Mm -hmm. but anything that's after that fact at that point you have to look at all the other evidence that's laid out and like the calls and all the stuff that came out 20 years later when stuff was declassified you know honestly at the end of it it just reconfirms that i hate the vietnam war (laughs) yeah not a great war no not our best (laughs) (laughs) what what no i don't know Oh, that was our goth phase. <laughs> I mean, really, the United States ain't great at war. Let's be no, real. War is great. We, no, I, I just mean like because like we always think of ourselves like the undefeated like giant, you know. Oh yeah. No. Like Revolutionary War, we weren't doing so hot. Thank God for the French, or maybe not because we have universal health care right now. <laughs> but uh, thank God yeah, for what the, the French fuck, guys. <laughs> um, like the War of eighteen twelve, like we were losing that war, and again, like the 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 British and Canadians were like, you guys ain't worth it. Like if they want to they could have taken us back but yeah. they didn't want us back we were too much trouble the korean war i don't think we fared too well in we didn't fare too well in vietnam uh, we got world war one and world war two down <laughs> those are like the big ones but like uh all the current conflicts yeah we, we don't do so hot we're not great at this war thing that's true <laughs> oh, all righty uh that is our story for the day thank you guys so much for listening the next time you hear me telling a story hopefully it will be a multi-parter and at this point it's looking like it could be as many as three or four parts but Jesus. i'm hoping it's only two or three on the night caller because boy oh boy is that a freaking that is a rat's nest of like intrigue and deception i love it and murder moida yeah (laughs) well thank you guys for listening if you want to follow us please go ahead and follow us on instagram and twitter and if you want to email us in any of your listener stories you can email us at 3vpodcast at gmail.com 
Also, and feel free to drop us some likes. Yeah, likes, review us on the, the platform of your review, specifically iTunes. Review us on iTunes. Give it five stars, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> and um, if you want Cody, Cody was just probably like, I should make a 3V podcast TikTok. If you think Cody should make a 3V podcast TikTok, let us know. Yeah, you should give us medias. five stars and just kidding. And $200 a day. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you guys don't have to give us anything. No, just no. your love. Hmm? Yeah, and also uh, like don't crucify us when we say stupid shit or shit that just needs like additional context thank you please we do say oh, did a lot we of stupid that? shit oh I don't know like uh, again like I can see how certain people could look at this episode and be like that's just a bunch of communist hate non-American it's like no we love America we just recognize that we can do better yeah yeah so yeah well that's all I got okay see you guys bye in the name of cheese and fries Mm, chili cheese fries. Oh. <laughs> in the name of chili cheese fries. In the name of chili Dive cheese in. fries sauce. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Good. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night.